telling you, during worship, I thought I was about to lose my mind. Man, when I begin to think of all that I've been through, when I begin to think about some of the battles that I've faced, and I can look back and see that Jesus was there through all of it, you know, being my way maker, amen? It just makes me just, like I said, I just about lose my ever-loving, God-fearing mind. <laughs> and I, I thought I was going to run today. I did. I just thought, well, 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 will it be okay? There is a circle here. I just thought, I'm just going to run. I'm just, man, in, in light of that, I don't care if you want to do this or not, I want to take just a couple seconds and give the ovation of the day to Jesus. Can we just take a few more seconds of praising him? Amen. Oh, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Man. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man. I think you can tell sometimes when people have been through some stuff, it just kind of is reflected in their praise. You know what I mean? And, uh, man, God's good. So this is our third week, our fourth week, and final week in our Stranger Things series. Have you enjoyed the Stranger Things series so far? Good, good, good. We're going to be finishing up today. We've been looking at some of the Stranger Things. And what I mean by that, things that are kind of like dealing with the Holy Spirit, dealing with the moving of God, dealing with the gifts of the Spirit. And I, and I just want to say that if you'll go down the path of the things of the Holy Spirit, you'll walk in things that you never expected. You'll walk in things that you never would have found had you not gone down that path. And the more important thing is you'll discover Jesus because the Holy Spirit always points to Jesus, always. And today we've been singing about Jesus, and he is that way maker. We've been singing about Jesus. He is that bondage breaker, amen. He is that one that does all these amazing things, but you are his body, isn't that wild? It's kind of just a, a rub a little bit. It's kind of like, man, that's awesome, Jesus. You can do all this. But he doesn't do it apart from his flesh. He didn't come and die on a cross through a spirit. He came and put flesh on a cross. Do you realize that? And guess what? He's still using his body in the earth today. And why? This earth is a flesh earth. I don't want you to miss this. God created man and gave man dominion over the earth. Everybody tap yourself and say, man. That's it. That's flesh. It's who you are. It's who you are. You know, he gave you dominion and authority over the earth. And doing such, it made this planet a flesh planet. In other words, God even chooses to govern this planet in such a way that he does it through flesh. I don't know why. He's God. He can do what he wants. Amen. In his sovereignty, he could have not made it so. But he made it so, and he said, this fear will be ruled and reigned over by flesh. And he wanted that to be Adam and Eve. That first Adam came. That first Adam sinned. And all throughout history, God has been trying to restore his power and his presence to his people from then until now. Amen? And so Jesus comes, dies on a cross. And when Jesus comes, man, he takes everything. The Bible says he takes the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And literally all that authority is then given to his church. You are some kind of something. When I'm looking at you right now, you are the embodiment of Jesus in the earth. Am I going to say you're a little God? No. But you got a big God living on the inside of you. And if you'll begin to realize it, we'll do great things for the Lord. You know, things that go beyond our own understanding. That's why we talked about the gifts of the Spirit. Things that go beyond our abilities. Things that go beyond our, our capabilities. Because those things are super natural. He puts the super on your... 
come on. He puts the super on your... Yeah, so we don't have to act weird. I mean, we don't have to, have to be strange and crazy and weird to move in the gifts. But I'm just telling you that when there's an expectation from the body of Christ to move like Jesus, to do the works that Jesus did, great things can happen. Nothing happens apart from expectation. And that's all this month's been is I just want our body to be expectant. God, we'll humble ourselves. Just use us. Speak through us. Show us visions. Show us dreams. Let your spirit pour out to where nobody can say that was the song. Nobody can say that was just the stirring of the preacher. Man, he just touched. I'm not a good enough communicator to stir your heart like that. Shut up. <laughs> I'm not. But Jesus is, amen? And this has, I, I got to get back into my teaching here. But I'm just saying that I want us to be people that are expectant. Let's stand to our feet. I want us to open to Scripture. I told you today we're going to look at something that's really strange. We're going to look at the demonic. How many's excited about that? <laughs> One guy's head back there just kept spinning around. <laughs> okay, no, Jesus. <laughs> and so when it comes down to it, let's look at Mark 16, verse 16 through 18. It says, and these signs will follow those who believe in my name. Whose name? Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They will cast out demons. It just says it. They will cast out demons. Enough said. They will speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents, and if they drink anything deadly, it will by no means hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick, and they will recover. I want you to shout this real quick. Say, I am a believer. I'm a believer. Now watch this. It says here, these signs will follow those who believe. Say, I am a believer. I'm a believer. So I can expect signs and wonders to follow me. We need to declare that again. Say, I am a believer. So I can expect signs and wonders to follow me. I can expect healing to follow me. I can expect deliverance to follow me. Amen? I can expect wisdom that's not my own to follow me. Give God some praise. Amen? Yeah, 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 yeah. Father, over the next few minutes... Would you just stir our hearts and help us to understand this concept of, of spiritual warfare, this concept of battle, this concept of, of dealing with the demonic. In your name we pray. Amen. You can have your seat. When I say demonic or demons and things like that, you know, what, what pops in your head? I was joking about the guy's head back here spinning around, you know. But it was, and we're going to deal with that later. <laughs> no, but what comes to your mind when I say that, you know? Do, do, do movies come to mind? Probably. The Exorcist. How many? Don't raise your hand. I was in Pennsylvania in my first internship, and Brother Bob, this guy we called Brother Bob, and he's like, I want to watch The Exorcist because I want to understand things about demons. I'm like, Bob, don't watch The Exorcist. It's not, no. And he's like, I want, so a few weeks later, he's like, I'm so afraid I watched The Exorcist. No. You don't have to be afraid. You don't need to watch The Exorcist, but you got Jesus in you. He'll deal with that stuff. And, um, and Bob was a lot of fun. But, or The Ring. You know, some scary stuff, you know. Maybe Rosemary's Baby for some of us older ones, you know. 
I mean, good night. But no, if your theology is coming from the movies, then you're probably missing it a little, a little bit, okay? But we do see in Scripture how the enemy of, of our heart would come upon people, how it came upon Saul, and it would torment him. And we saw through Scripture how it came upon a young girl, and she was demonized. And although she was preaching and worshiping God while Paul was trying to preach, it was a demonic presence that was distracting what was going on at the time. We, we see all through Scripture people, the man, demonized, chained up in the, in the, the man of the gatherings, chained up there in the, the tomb, you know, and Jesus came to set him free. So we see glimpses throughout scripture. About a third of the time Jesus was dealing with stuff, he was dealing with demons and healing. Did you know that? Almost a third of his ministry was either casting demons out or healing people. That's pretty awesome. And so as God's people today, we still interact with the demonic. We still, when I say interact, we still come face-to-face at times with the demonic. In America, I heard it said that you don't see the manifestations like you do in other countries. And the reason why is because our materialism has us bound enough. Right? Our envy, our greed. As Americans, we have enough stuff that binds us that looks a whole lot prettier than some of the animism and the things that you see in other countries. But guess what? Bound is bound. You know? I'm not saying everything that happens in our lives is of the devil either. I'm looking forward to breaking this down for us today and helping us to kind of demystify some stuff as well. But whenever I think about the demonic, a scripture comes to my mind, and it's Ephesians 6, chapter 6, verse 12, and it says this. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. In other words, there's something that is underlying our battle. But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against your mother-in-law. My mother-in-law and father-in-law are coming in today. God bless their hearts. (laughs) Against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And so we see here that we're not just wrestling against flesh and blood, but there is something more insidious. There's something underneath the surface of all things. And and I will say this, that the original sin brought some pain and hurt and struggles that we deal with. Not everything is an actual just demon dealing with stuff with us. But still, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. It's a spiritual battle that we face. And the scripture does, if we hold scripture in balance, it will always give us good theology. So what happens is some people will take that scripture and begin to look for demons around every corner. Always looking. It's got to be a devil. Couldn't be me. Couldn't be my bad behavior. It had to be the devil. You know? The scripture also teaches us to have balance because, you know, a lot of stuff you deal with is actually because of original sin. It's just because we have a fallen nature. Even David in scripture, it says as he cried out in repentance to God, he said that even in my mother's womb, I was formed in sin. David knew where his corruption lied. It was in that original sin. But David allowed himself to be demonized too. And the things that David dealt with, he allowed himself to be pulled into sin at a gross level that even murder took place. And death of a child, and just all sorts of horrible things took place in his life because of that. And so, yeah, did it have its root in the demonic in a sense? But the demonic was at play through that story. And I'm going to show you today just kind of how that kind of works a little bit, all right? And so the first thing I want to look at, I want to look at three categories of battle that we have because I don't want to give the enemy of our heart more ammunition than he has. The Bible says that we withstand him with the word of the Lord, and he has like fiery darts, that he throws at us, you know, and we withstand him with the shield of faith and with the word of the Lord. And the problem is sometimes we give him scud missiles 
instead of fiery darts. We give him too much credit. And so I want us to guard ourselves from that. The first battle that we deal with is the battle of the flesh. Just that battle that we all have that is common to man. This is a battle that even Jesus had, all right? Jesus was tempted just like all of us, yet without sin. So he had this original flesh. He was 100% man, 100% God. But that flesh portion of Jesus dealt with the same thing that we deal with. And there's a battle in the flesh. Verse 13 of James 1. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. If I hear another person say, well, you know what? It's just how God made me. It's just how God, if God wanted to change this, if God wanted, if God, don't put, don't put, stu don't put stuff on God. I'm being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But here's how this works. These struggles that we have, am I alone? I have struggles. Some of those struggles are called sin. Am I the only one that struggles with sin in the room? Good. We can all kind of help each other here. Watch this. It says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. I can't, I can't blame some devil. I can't blame some demon here, some spirit of something. I, can't, I, I, gotta, I gotta go right first with the first battle. And it says, my own desire. Then desire, when it has conceived, it gives birth to sin. Just that desire alone. Did you guys know that? But I feel this. And because I feel this, I might as well do this. No, you haven't sinned yet. It's just a desire. I have desires. You know, I just can't act on those desires. And the desires I do act on that are wrong, then I have the penalty of those things because they become sin. But just because you have a desire for something doesn't mean that you're bad. It means that you're human and us as humans are flawed. Original sin, it caused us to be depraved. And the depravity of man, the depravity of man is, is a heavy, heavy concept, it's a heavy thing, and it's true. We are depraved apart from Jesus. Apart from redemption, and I'll talk about that toward the end when we look at how to deal with a demonic. But here's the thing with this. It says, then when desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is fully grown, it brings forth death or it brings forth destruction. It brings forth separation from God's best. It brings forth the opposite. If Jesus comes to give life and make life abundant, the Bible says that the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. So in other words, if I allow this to become full-blown in my life, whatever that might be, it's a natural desire. But if I give in to that and begin to allow the enemy to work that in my life, then separation starts happening, death and destruction. and I get stolen from. Amen? Does that make sense? All right, so when it comes down to it, we are pulled away by our own desires. What is naturally appealing to your eyes, to your experience, and to your ego, your eyes, your experience, and your ego. What's naturally appealing? And every one of us has a tendency. Like some people like country music. You know what I mean? No, I love country. I was joking. I was kidding. I do like country. I do. I do. Some people like, like, like <coughs> Tyler Wilkes. This young man can sing like that. Man, I'm like, I just kept bringing him like chloroseptic. I didn't know. I was like, I'm singing. I'm like, no, you're sick. <laughs> no. <laughs> Sounds the same when I have a cold. All right, so, you know, he's pretty amazing. But, but still, your eyes, your experience, and your ego, what just is naturally appealing? Can I tell you something that's very naturally appealing to me? And I'll, and I'll give you a reason why. Brunettes are naturally appealing to me. Scotty, you're safe. It's okay, buddy. It's okay. 
<laughs> Scotty's like, my hair's brown. Oh, no. <laughs> you are one fine man, but you're safe. So, But when it comes down to it, <laughs> why? Why is this naturally appealing to me? I'm going to tell you why. Christy Vickers. Christy, if you're listening today, you just set my desire for women as a five-year-old. Now, that sounds weird, but I was five. <laughs> Hold on. We were kindergartners. And in kindergarten, I look over, and here's this little Christy Vickers. And she's got dark hair, and she just looked over, and she, hi, I'm Christy. Hi, I'm smitten. I didn't know the word. I didn't know the word. But something happened inside of me. And so from fourth, fifth kindergarten, five years old, up to fourth grade until I got kicked out of that school. It was. It was a Christian school, and they asked me not to come back. But <laughs> do you realize Pastor Corey was kicked out of a Christian school too? Yes, two of your pastors have been asked to leave Christian institutions. <laughs> Pastor Corey twice. <laughs> so, <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful. So, original sin. That's all I'm talking about. We're dealing with... <clears throat> so little Christy, I mean, she didn't even know this. You know, we're just little kids. But something, it's just weird, you know? And so obviously when I met Amy and I'm 13 and she was 10 and I saw her, she was a neighbor's friend. I'm like, who's that cute girl? And, and, and my neighbor's like, she's fifth grader. And I'm like, I'm a seventh grader, which that's a big difference. But she was cute, and she was a brunette. And I'm like, she's cute. And I had to wait till she was older, till she was 16 to start dating her. And I still love my little, <laughs> my little brunette, you know? And, um, and, and just the one. <laughs> but I'm just saying, there's this natural tendency that, that I would be drawn to brunettes, all right? And, and, and I'm going to come back to this story in a little bit, because this is the battle with flesh, okay? So, so naturally within me, there's something about brunettes, you know, all right? Every brunette in the house is like, that's weird. <laughs> it's not like that. It's not like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, man, I was trying to find another. Oscar's pretty cute. Okay. <laughs> He's a brunette. All right, so let's keep going. Another area that can be natural, I don't want you to miss this. I'm going to use the word depression. Now listen to this, depression, okay? Depression is when experiences meet brain chemistry and biology. You know, I, I, at least that's just my definition. I just kind of was thinking about what is depression. And, and I, want to, I, I don't want to make it this, this demonic thing. Depression is when, when experiences meet brain chemistry and, and, and biology. It makes sense, right? It's just like some people deal with depression. And I'm not going to give the credit to the enemy other than original sin, other than all of us are flawed, but I'm not going to give the credit to the enemy when it's just a battle with the flesh. Does that make sense? Again, we're going to go somewhere with this. I just don't want to give credit to the enemy on that. Ultimate sin, it flawed us, and most of the stuff we battle against is just ourselves. It's just stuff we're dealing with us, all right? Now, I want to say this, and you may, you may say, Ross, I know everything I'm dealing with can't just be me. You, you may be right. Everything that you're dealing with, it may not just be you, you know? It, it may be something that is the demonic. And so I want to walk into that. How many's ever heard of the term familiar spirits? All right, so a familiar spirit, in a sense, in the Old Testament, about nine times it speaks of it. Most of the time it was people conjuring and playing around with, with demonic things and spirits and calling upon the dead. Don't do that. I'm being honest. Don't Horoscopes, outside of God's plan, calling upon the dead, talking to your aunt that passed a long time ago. It's, it's, don't, you know, pray to Jesus. Thank him for your aunt. Don't talk to your aunt, okay? All right? Because the enemy can get involved in that. It's really, really, really scary, okay? But this idea of a film your spirit goes even further than that. And with it, it's the idea that dem demons, guess what? They're familiar with you. 
I'm not saying that a demonic spirit can read your mind. Did you know that? It can't read your mind. But it can see your activity, see your actions. It sees how you plan things. The best psychologist ever, demonic spirits. A psychologist, if he spends a little bit of time with you, a therapist, a little bit of time with you, just by your behaviors can begin to tell you what's in your head. That's a fam- like the idea of a familiar spirit, okay? They're just the best. And I'm not saying psychologists are demons. <laughs> Nobody quote that, okay? I'm just saying they are the best psychologists. They're familiar with you. They understand you. And with that, they can do things in such a way that trip you up, that draw you, that add to those natural enticements that you already have. They can begin to set you up to mess you up. And they do it. And that's something that we need to understand. And so the second thing that we're going to look at, we looked at the battle of the flesh and those natural tendencies. Now let's look at the battle of principalities and powers, the battle of actual demonic things. And can Christians battle and deal with the demonic without being possessed? Yes, Christians fight principalities and powers. We just saw that, that our fight isn't with just flesh and blood, but it's against principalities and powers and such. And so the crazy thoughts and perceptions that you sometimes get, the crazy feelings and emotions that just rise up that aren't your thoughts, those those suggestions that begin to, to come to you, it's not a reading of the mind, but it's a planting of seed, it's a planting of thoughts that's coming this direction. And those things that come often have demonic influence. All of a sudden, you have something that's happening that was beyond your thought process, okay? How many know the Holy Spirit does that too? Isn't that neat? The enemy's just a mocker. That's all he is, and a mimic. But the Holy Spirit will drop things, and you'll have things in your mind that's smarter than you are. You'll have leadings and the word of wisdom, word of knowledge, all those things. Well, the enemy of your heart sometimes will just drop doubt, fear, anger, disbelief, lust, things that, that, that obviously are part of our natural makeup, but it comes to a whole nother level in a moment, okay? And sometimes when that happens, that is something that is of the nature of being demonized. It's something of the nature that you're starting to battle a principality and a power, okay? Um, let me give you a thought of this, okay? I'm going to call it an oppressive, not a possessive spirit. A possessive spirit, you have given your will over to the enemy. A Christian cannot be possessed because our will is given to to Jesus, yeah. So the Holy Spirit comes and lives on the inside of us, and now we submit our lives to his will. A Christian cannot be possessed, but a Christian can be oppressed, all right? So if you think of it this way, possession, inside, working out, oppression, is, it's just this force that's kind of pushing on us, but it's not taking over us, okay? But when it comes to oppression and this idea of a crazy thought or a crazy emotion or a crazy in- intense desire, something that's just beyond yourself, an oppressive spirit of temptation can come. Okay, And normally what will happen, though, is when that oppressive spirit of temptation comes, it's going to link up with your natural tendency. There's no way I'm going to be tempted to kiss Scott, as handsome as you are, you know. It's just not there, you know. But a natural tendency is there. And so let me tell you a story. Years ago, Amy's pregnant with Grant, and she's very pregnant. And, and, And the enemy knows Times and seasons, he's familiar with us, and he knows what's going on. And very pregnant means that, that I'm, I'm, nothing's happening. <laughs> All right? <laughs> Auburn's like, la, 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 la. <laughs> and I just want to show you how insidious the devil is, okay? So, long story short, 
Amy got sick. She wasn't going to go to church that Sunday morning. I don't feel good. I can't go to church today. And that's all right. Not only is she not coming to church that Sunday morning, she's going to stay home. I have a college paper due, and I don't have a laptop or a desktop. That was back in the day where a lot of times your only computer was the one at work, if you had even that, you know. And so I'm going to go to work, stay that afternoon in the church office, and I'm going to work on college papers until the evening service. And then when the evening service is over, I'm going to come home. In other words, I had an afternoon alibi. That drew you in. So, Amy's not there. We have an altar call. People start coming up. It was one of those altar calls toward the end of the service, like when everybody's leaving, and, and so people are just lingering, and there's not hardly any people in the sanctuary, and a person comes up for prayer, and it's not a tall blonde. It's a short, cute brunette. Extremely cute. Extremely brunette. And I pray with her. And there was no, I wasn't even thinking nothing like that, though. There was nothing in my mind at all at that moment. I'm just praying for her, right? So this is what I'm talking about, like an oppressive spirit of temptation. So I'm not thinking about it. I'm praying. Like I said, it's not an issue. I'm not like every brunette, you know. It's like, oh, Alan. No. But I'm praying for this woman. I finish praying. And, I, you know, I'm a side hugger. And so God bless you. And she leaned in and kissed my neck. But she didn't kiss my neck like, well, you shouldn't kiss anybody's neck, period. <laughs> but she kissed my neck sexy. I'm just, I'm just being honest. I mean, whoa. This happens. I feel my blood pressure go. I feel my heart rate go. I feel esteemed in the moment, you know. I kind of look back, and she says, do you want to go back to your office? And it freaked me out. Now, I'm going to tell you something here. Natural tendencies, right? She wasn't the tall blonde. She was a short brunette. When she did this, my heart rate fluttered, you know? When she asked if we want to go back to the office, I have an alibi. I have a need. All these things are in play. Why? There's a familiar spirit that knows what's going on in my life and is creating the most opportune moment ever for me to fail my family, my ministry, and my future. Familiar spirit, a demonic thing. Playing off my natural inclinations, okay? Um, here's what's crazy. That feeling happens. Guess what? In the moment, and this is where men fail, but I felt so good. It must be real. It must be, you know, love. It must be something. It must be. No. It's the peacock puffing his feathers up. That's when, when you feel good, everything just kind of, I'm the man. Come, no, it's called Physiology. Don't let fantasy move you into physiology that will cause you to fall into sin. All right? It's the natural tendencies. All those things you're feeling are real. Why? Because you're real flawed. Not because you're a reprobate. Because you're a man. You were born in sin. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? And so this happens. And in the back of my head, I could hear the Holy Spirit going, Oh, heck No. I'm serious. He created heaven and hell. And if he wanted to use that word in my head, he's allowed. I'm just saying. Because that's what popped in my head. I'm just, just being honest, you know. And I was like, no, you, no, that's all right. You're going to stay right here. You know what this boy did? I ran home. I didn't do my studies that afternoon. I got up in bed with Amy and just shook. <laughs> well, baby, you got to know what happened. And Amy's like, I knew she had something for you. I've known it for, you know, like, what? Well, of course, but still, what? <laughs> so, 
crazy. Guess what? A month later, she had cheated on her family, left her husband for another man that didn't have a relationship. I mean, it's just this woman was looking for something, and the enemy could have brought me down. Natural inclinations, that's the battle of the flesh. But this was an overwhelming temptation that came out of nowhere. I wasn't sewing into it or anything. It just came out of nowhere. Does that make sense? So crazy thoughts of lust that come out of nowhere. Something that you may haven't been sewing into and all of a sudden it's just overwhelming. Or maybe it's an overwhelming addiction, like a desire to, to eat, drink something. I don't know what it might be, you know, but it's just overwhelming, you know. And, and, and sometimes it's just, it's just, it's there. Hadn't been sewn into it. It's just there. Guess what? Sometimes that's a demonic presence, and you need to bind and rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Amen? And deal with it from that standpoint. And don't fall prey to it. Realize breaking that stronghold in that moment is the most powerful thing you can do. Because you tell a devil, back up, and that devil will start getting used to backing up. Come on. He'll start looking for opportune times. Even Jesus, he looked for an opportune time and come back to tempt, you know. But, man, you hold your ground when those moments happen. So that's an oppressive spirit of temptation. How, how about this? How about thoughts of, of suicide and depression that come out of nowhere? An oppressive spirit that brings depression or suicide or anger or fear. You know, these are, I'm not saying that all those emotions aren't locked up in our natural because they are, okay? There's very chemical reasons for depression. I get that. But there's sometimes where it's just this, it's something demonic. It's something that is overwhelming. It's something that comes upon that you didn't even know was about to come upon, you know? I was 17 years old going home from a young girl I was dating before Amy, and, um, and, um, and she was a brunette too. <laughs> and I was on my way home, and, and we just were going through some fighting and stuff like that. And um, I've never been suicidal in my life, and I'm driving home from this little town called Belleville, and on my way home, I just felt this overwhelming desire to run into the ditch, just to pull and just crash. God is my witness. God is my witness. I instantly realized this is something demonic. And I commanded the name of Jesus for this spirit to leave. And it was as if I felt my car, my seat rise up. Something was in that car with me. And that spirit was gone. It was amazing. It wasn't something that's my normal natural, ten nat natural tendencies to, to have that. It was overwhelming. When I was about 14, my dad cast a demon out of a guy, and I watched it happen. And it um, freaked me out, you know, And um, at that point. And so for nights, for nights, I'd wake up in the middle of the night seeing lights and things flicker in my closet. And I was afraid, you know, and worried. I think I was actually about 12. And I was afraid, and I was worried. And I would go into my mom and dad's room, and what's wrong? Nothing's wrong. Nothing's wrong. I'm just going to sleep on the floor in my sleeping bag. Nothing's wrong. <laughs> You know, I might have been 14. I just remember, I remember dad, it was awkward. I just remember dad just, you know, sleep on the floor, son, you know. And, um, and after about three nights, dad's like, what's going on? And I told him. And instantly dad goes, that's a familiar spirit. You saw that happen. That spirit saw your fear. That spirit's come to torment you. You get back in your room. And the next time it comes, you rebuke it in the name of Jesus and you watch it go. And so as a young guy, I sit up in my room. That happens in the name of Jesus. I rebuke you. You leave this. I come against this fear in Jesus' name. And guess what? It went away, never to come back again. From that moment on, anything dealing with the demonic, it's like I just, yeah, demons are real, and we're going to really cast you out, you know? It's just, it just doesn't work me up like that. But I was so, that fear was overwhelming. It was an oppressive fear. Does that make sense? So we can see oppressiveness come in the area of, of things like that, like uh, an anger that comes upon you that you didn't even realize was there, a fear that comes upon you, a, uh, all those kinds of things. Um, 
Also, when it comes down to it, um, we can see an oppressive spirit that can come in the area of sickness. Okay, So an oppressive spirit of sickness. We would call that a spirit of infirmity. And, and the idea of that, just, again, I'm using kind of anecdotal episodes in my own life because I just I, I live this so I, I can speak to it. Um, I, I got asked to preach on a Wednesday night. Often, pastor, my pastor back home would tell me about 2 in the afternoon, hey, can you preach tonight, you know? Yeah, sure, you know. You got a word? Oh, I got a word. I just lie because I just wanted to preach. So, yeah, I got a word. And, um, but that day he asked, and within a few minutes of asking, I started getting a headache. It just started coming upon me. Now, I have natural, I have headaches. I used to get them a lot. And, um, and so this, this headache starts to come. Jesus, touch my body, heal my body. I get my staff to lay hands and pray for me. Our admin and a couple others pray for me. And for a few hours, I'm just praying, healing, praying, healing. I mean, it's overwhelming. I'm getting nauseous. You know how those headaches can be. And so I'm in my office praying, God, i got to preach in just a little bit. I'm not going to make it, you know. And I felt as I prayed, the Lord said, well, you're praying for healing, and this is a demonic attack. Don't pray, rebuke. Don't pray, bind. Don't, don't pray. This isn't a physiological thing. This is a demonic thing. And so, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit of infirmity. I come against you in Jesus' name. This headache that's linked to infirmity, I come against this spirit, and you will leave me in Jesus' name. It was something as simple as that. It wasn't like a lot of theatrics. Guys, within 10 minutes, the headache was gone. It just drifted away. I went up and preached, and the coolest thing was I get done preaching, and Diana Kreider... This lady, when I get off the pulpit, we, we preach, we lay hands on people, we have a big altar ministry call time, and when everything's said and done, she comes up, she said, Pastor, I don't know what was going on with you, but when you preached and ministered, I saw spiritually, I could see an angelic being just with you, everywhere you went tonight. Just, just, she goes, did anything happen today that would, you would need a little extra protection from? Yeah, devil was trying to split my head wide open. <laughs> I'm saying, I mean, it was horrible. One of the worst things ever. She said, well, everywhere you went, I just could see something behind you. It was almost just this protective angel, angelic presence. Amen? I'm going to give God some praise. Amen? So there are times as Christ followers that sickness can be a spirit of infirmity. And, and can I just be really open and honest with you? I don't know exactly when it is and when it's not. I don't have any straight answers on that other than word of wisdom, word of knowledge. In those moments of prayer, the Lord will kind of show you this is something demonic. This isn't just physiological. This is an attack of the devil, okay? And then you shift your prayer from one of healing to one of deliverance or breakthrough or does that make sense? Okay, And so um, very specific. And the Lord just showed me that yeah, that's what I was dealing with. So, so we see the idea of battling with principalities and powers. Now the third one is the battle with the demon possessed. The battle with the demon possessed. And, um, and, and this is something that you're not going to see a whole lot. You know, as far as full-on possession, ever so often, a few times in my ministry it's happened. Had a young family come in. The mama calls me and says, hey, I need prayer for my family. Can I come? And she comes to the church for prayer in the middle of the day. All the staff's gone. And I was like, oh, man, I've got to pray with these people by myself. So there's a mom and two little sons, or a son and a little grandson, and an older son, okay? And I begin to pray for this woman. And next thing you know, I feel led to pray for the little boy. So I pray for this little guy. He's probably eight or so. And he falls out in the spirit. Okay? Nobody's there to catch him. They're light. They just bounce. <laughs> but I'm, just, I'm being honest. I just pray. And he's like, oh, man, he's going down. I go to pray for the other little guy. And that little guy goes down. And I'm just like, wow, these little guys, they just, I didn't even think about it. I wasn't exactly sure what was going on. I just thought, okay. And now I start praying for mom. 
And this man, this young, young man, early 20s, starts to growl. God put those two little boys out until we cast the demons out of this young man. And so I say we, but I mean, I'm just saying it was by myself. Me, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And God, it was, it was scary. So, so he falls, he falls. Now I'm praying for mom. And as I'm praying, I'm hearing. And this uncomfortableness starts. And it gets deeper and deeper and more dramatic and dramatic. And I turn and I just say, in the name of Jesus, I rebuke this spirit that's in you. And I begin to deal with the, the demonic presence. All of a sudden, this guy's just, ah, you know, it was just ugly. I mean, he just was, he was violently acting out as the demon was dealing with it. The demon talked. I mean, it was everything that you kind of see and you kind of don't. It wasn't like movies, but I could hear voice coming from him that his lips were not moving. When your lips aren't moving and you're hearing a voice, you're either casting out something from Charlie McCartney, you know, a ventriloquist doll, or you're dealing with a demon. I mean, it was just like, it was, it was serious. And um, I'm not trying to make light of it, I'm just being honest. So this young man did, his, he was fighting. It's, demonic things are a, a, a battle of the will. And so that demon's will, that person's will, and the will of the Father trying to bring deliverance. And, 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 and he is fighting with his will to hold on. And he, he's just fighting. He's just fighting. And, um, and, man, the Lord, after a little while of ministry to this kid, he just falls out. And I begin to minister some more. And long story short, that demonic presence broke. And I had seen this young man around our church for about a couple months. And every time I saw him, he just was. And I remember I was putting Adelie's coat up, you know, on the little hooks. And in the north, we have hooks in our church, you know. And I was hanging her little coat up. And this kid comes up, Pastor Ross, Pastor Ross. He's tapping my shoulder. And I turn around, and it's this young man, big, huge smile. It was just amazing. I just remember he was an African-American kid, and just the white his teeth, it was just beautiful. His eyes sparkled. And he just, he was a different kid. And as long as I was there at that church until I left to move here, that young man was delivered. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm just, it's, praise the Lord. I have another story, but I'm not going to go into it. Um, but when someone falls out in the, the foyer of a church and slithers like a snake over to you, then you probably need to deal with it. So we won't get into that story. But dealing with the possessed, though, again, I want to encourage you that when it comes down to it, a Christian, can a Christian be possessed? No. Okay? But there are people who begin to fully embrace the darkness that is trying to embrace them, and eventually the darkness fully embraces them. Does that make sense? And so as a Christ follower, man, we're embracing Jesus. We're embracing the moving of the Holy Spirit. We have nothing to worry about that he is full. We are full of him, and he's not going to share his space with anybody. Amen? Aren't you lucky? Aren't you blessed? Yeah. So, so with that, when it comes to those things, we're dealing with them through the power of Jesus' name. And what I've done today, this is kind of neat, with our new website, mymomentumchurch.tv, I have put things in this, the notes of that place on purpose to make you go to that and use it, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to go there, and, I, and in there, there's some scriptures that deal with the principle of authority. There's some scriptures in there, just a lot of scriptures that talks about the redemption we have in Jesus. Jesus' blood paid for us. We're his. We have authority through him to deal with the demonic. We have nothing to be afraid of. Amen? But you need to put some word in you, and I've got a ton of scripture there in that app, mymomentumchurch.tv. 
go there and read a lot of these scriptures because Jesus, he triumphed over Satan and his demons through the work of redemption, through the work of his shed blood. He triumphed over them. And because of that, and we are his, and he, his spirit works in and through us, we triumph over those things. We have nothing to be afraid of. Amen? How many's afraid? Good, good. And so we have nothing to be afraid of. Um, what I want to look at as we close, number two, we kind of looked at the, that, that one, two, three, the battle of the flesh, the battle of principalities and powers, and then the battle with the demon possessed. I want to kind of go down now and kind of deal with the idea of the battle of principalities and how that looks, okay? I want to challenge you when you're looking at principalities and powers, those overwhelming temptations and overwhelming um, struggles and overwhelming things that come. Um, I don't want you to look for a demon under everything, okay? Every little struggle you have, it must be a demonic thing. I don't want you to do that, okay? And the, re the reason why, let me play around here. The reason why is because when it comes down to it, you know, if you're dealing with the demonic, all right, so you can have music, that's nice. But the demonic, okay, if I'm looking all the time for the demonic and everything, what's going to happen is after a while, you can't think straight. You're not thinking on the words. You're not thinking. You're just, all you're, you're just getting distracted, always looking for the enemy. And don't you know that the devil would love that for you just, just to get distracted? Is that distracting? If, if the demonic, if we, it, it, it literally, I mean, that's horrible sounding. Um, I'm so glad you do so much better. I'm so glad. With, with the idea of that, if we're always looking, I've seen people get so distracted when it came to the demonic. I just want to understand deliverance. I don't want to understand demonics things. I want to understand this. I, want to, I get us understanding it, okay? But we can get so distracted, we stop being effective in evangelism. We get so distracted, we stop being effective in discipleship. We get so distracted that we just, we just, we just look at the enemy in every little thing. And like I said, when we first started, no, it's not the enemy in every little thing. You know, the, the real issue most of the time is us. So let me cut through the distraction, all right? I want us to be people that are responsible. If we're going to move in stranger things, if we're going to move in the things of the Holy Spirit, we've got to be responsible. We can't be blaming the enemy, amen? And so 2 Corinthians 5, 10, 5 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. So there's those demonic things. Casting down arguments at every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the enemy begins to throw thoughts towards you, okay? You grab a hold of those because they're raising themselves up above the word of God. And you grab a hold of those thoughts, how? You grab a hold by speaking word. Get the word of God in you, amen? There's power in the name of Jesus, and there's power in his word as we declare it. That is our sword of the spirit. And so with that, put the word of God in you so that when you can take those thoughts, it's hard to think about two things at once, amen? So when the enemy starts to lie to you and torment you, and there is some demonic oppression starting, man, as you begin to declare the word, you can't think about the word and that thing at the same time. Begin to counteract that and cast down that vain imagination, that vain thought that tries to raise itself up against the things of God, you know? And so that's something that we do. We, we rest in his word and we speak that word, being ready to punish all disobedience. Well, hold on. This is starting to get into my stuff I like to do. I, I know. I know. Because there's some natural desires and tendencies. 
But those things that are outside of God's plan that are even natural desires and tendencies, the enemy can come and begin to bolster and strengthen. Here it says we're supposed to punish those things when our obedience is fulfilled. We're supposed to punish those things. So that leads us back to the battle of flesh. So we start with flesh and we end with flesh. We, we start with this and we end with our own responsibility when it comes to dealing with the demonic. And so let me just say it this way. Don't blame Satan for something you're sowing into. I want you to think about that for a second. I'm going to say it again. Don't blame Satan for something you're sowing into. Don't blame the devil for something you delight in. Well, this just keeps happening. This just keeps... You could be setting yourself with natural tendencies to allow the principalities and powers to get involved, and now it's overwhelming. And now it's taking you down a path you never thought possible, and it's harder to break than you, more so than you ever thought possible. All right? Romans 12, 1 and 2 tells us this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable worship or your reasonable service. Some translations say your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That's the arguments of the Lord. That's the things of God, the, the, the word of the Lord that will counteract the lies of the enemy. That by testing, because the testing is going to come, that you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. And in the midst of all that, for every temptation, God gives a way of escape. For, so I can't just keep blaming the devil. I can't just keep doing that, you know. If you play with a snake long enough, you're going to get, yeah, you are. You're going to get bit. It's just how it is. And, and I'm going to close with this, and this is probably just a little stronger than, than, than you're used to me saying things. But I hear people say all the time, I'm under attack. I'm just under attack in my finances. The devil's messing with my finances so much. Yeah, because you're spending money on everything, and you won't barely give God anything. And you're going to say the devil's attacking your finances? How selfish have you been in your spending? I'm just being honest. How undisciplined have you been? How much stuff do you have at the lack of God having what God needs to use to make a difference in people's lives? How many vacations do you need to go on? My gosh. And say, I have no money to bless the things of God. And I'm not saying that because we don't have money at the church. We're doing quite all right. I'm saying that because I hear it all the time. The enemy's attacking my finances. No, no. You're allowing yourself to be attacked in your finances. Does that make sense? How about this, you know? I just, I can't get a good relationship. I can't find a good person. I can't, you know, the, the devil's just, man, every single time I just get robbed and robbed. Well, stop sleeping around. That's one brunette that I do like. <laughs> He's all brunette. <laughs> oh, that's funny. I'm, I'm just saying, you know, and we'll look at things, and it's our natural desires that are leading us into bad decisions, and then we want to blame the devil for what we delight in? Our natural desires that's making us, and the problem is, you're right, the devil has gotten involved. Because you won't cast down the high imagination, the thing that tries to raise itself up above the knowledge of God. You won't deal with it. And so now you're absolutely right. You said, come on, demons, beat me up. Come on, demons, empower this. Come on, demons, take advantage of this. And guess what the demonic will say? I will. Right now. 
and I'll make it hard for you ever to quit this. In the midst of it, you know what the lies? You think about that, that person that just, just runs to thing after thing, relationship, relationship. Their heart, their poor little hearts. I, I say that, I don't want to sound so mean because their poor little hearts get broken over time. And they feel like they have no value and no worth. Does, is that on the side of the enemy steals, kills, and destroys? Or on the side of Jesus gives life and makes life abundant? I think it's over here. So if we're doing things that we know, yes, the enemy does get involved, you know? I, I, just, I, just, I just drink, I just, I just get drunk once in a while, you know? I, I, if it's something, I understand addiction. Get help. We're here to help. We have to celebrate recovery. Get help. But I see so much blatant drinking in, the, in, 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 in amongst Christians nowadays to where it's just like, ah, God understands. Yeah, and now you've made some bad choices because you were drunk. And you're going to blame that on the devil? I'm going to have to come up to the jail and visit you, which is good, and I do that. And you're going to blame the devil just at work? No, the devil is not at work. You, you have been allowing him to take your natural things and add the principalities and powers, and you're not trying to fight at all. Does that make sense? You guys are all like, man, I'm glad you're going to go on vacation. <laughs> no. And so what I want you to do is look again today at mymomentumchurch.tv, and I put on there four basic principles for dealing with the demonic. Four things, the typical pattern of prayer to deal with the demonic attack, that influence of the enemy when you're going through things, because yes, you deal with your natural inclinations, but also principalities and powers add to that, you know? And so I want you to take a look at that. It wasn't something I've run out of time for. It's something I was planning on not teaching because I want you to go use that app. It's a powerful source. And so go. It'll give you those four steps. And I want to take a second for us just to kind of pray. Amen? How many just feel like you just need to, whew, okay. <laughs> Jesus, Lord, I, you're a loving God. It's the goodness of you that draws us to repentance. I, I, I know that, Lord, but you also speak truth and you're strong with us. And, Lord God, we just refuse to give the enemy any more credit than he's due. Lord, there's a lot of stuff I can claim your name, I can rebuke and speak to, but if it comes down to me not desiring to walk in discipleship and submission to you, and I just desire to say my will be done, then, Lord, the opposite of that verse will happen, Lord. Our will will be done, and those things that are hellish will manifest in our life here on earth. But, God, we're to say your will be done. And those things of heaven will manifest here on earth. We claim the things of heaven. At the close of the Stranger Things series, we claim the things of heaven. Lord, we ask for a divine connection between heaven and earth. And that, Lord God, through that, you would use ministry gifts. And through that, we would sense your spirit. And through that, Lord, you'd use us as to be delivered and to bring deliverance. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Fuel for the Journey. For more information, please check out www.momentumchurch.tv.